Ladies and gentlemen, it's Matt Sehab, your host of the Crypto News Podcast, and we are back, baby. Got another incredible episode on tap, and I can't wait to dive in. Today's guest is Joshua Bearclough. Bitpanda has appointed Josh, a former JP Morgan exec, as the first CEO for its fully regulated digital asset exchange, Bitpanda Pro. This comes just two months after Bitpanda's 263 million Series C round, not too shabby, which focuses on strengthening the team, building the organization for scale, and doubling down on the state-of-the-art technology, international expansion, and growth. Before joining Bitpanda, Josh was at JP Morgan, where he held key positions such as co-head of digital innovation and global head of the fintech team. Without further ado, I'm very pleased to welcome to the Crypto News Podcast, Josh Bearclough. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Um, very, very glad to be here, actually. So uh, looking forward to talking. Very pumped to have you on as well. Now, when I had your uh, your partner in crime, Eric Demuth, the CEO of, uh, of Bitpanda, not Bitpanda Pro, but just Bitpanda, he was, I want to say, my sixth or seventh guest um, absolutely knocked out of the park. As a North American, I wasn't too familiar with Bitpanda, but you guys have been on my radar ever since. Um, I'm actually wearing the hat right now. Shout out <laughs> Sarah, who sent me it. Love the company, love you guys. Uh, and there was no doubt that this would happen. Uh, and I guess to begin, congrats on the new gig. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. And and and, and obviously kind of esteemed company then in terms of the, the kind of the prior list. So glad, glad Eric made it on first and, and, and we can kind of fact check everything that I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, and, and the hats are fantastic. I, I think we need to go, we need to kind of get our, our store up and running quite soon. But, uh, but, but I, I think, I think certainly, you know, you know, maybe the, the, the most obvious move is, uh, is the quality of the, the clothing has really kind of stepped up here. Very good. I love it. I, I rock it uh, pretty much every day, unless I'm in the gym. Then I have, you know, the sweaty. In Canada, you sort of when you're at the gym and you're an ex hockey player, you wear the, the old <laughs> hockey hat with like the sweat lines. It's actually no, pretty, no, no. pretty gross, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. This is good. We're going to send you some more stuff, Matt, because I think it's important. It's important that you kind of you grow our brand for us. So, uh, so this is good to see. I love that. Um, I'd love to start with your past. Now, everyone. Pretty much everyone uh, who's done any type of banking has heard of JP Morgan, one of the big boys, <laughs> one of the big gals, you know, tomato, tomato. Um, and you held some pretty prominent positions there. I used to be a currency broker myself. I understand the importance of fintech. All banking is moving towards fintech. You cannot, uh, you, you can't go the, the classic paper route anymore. It has to be sexy, clean, and, uh, and it has to be technological. And you held uh, the head of fintech at JP Morgan. I'd love if you could tell me a little bit about the bank's transition from going to traditional finance over to the fintech route. Yeah, and you know, it certainly was a transition. So, so I really, as you say, I was kind of brought in initially to build out the fintech practice. So, so my background was in capital markets. So I'd done a lot in com commodities trading, um, and so kind of really, really had a good understanding of, of kind of more wholesale capital markets. And I spent some time building building a fintech um, before JP Morgan. And so kind of was at a good transitional point when JP Morgan approached me and said, look, we would we would love someone who kind of really understands the capital markets background and really kind of understands fintech to come in and help us build out this fintech practice. So 
So join join JP Morgan. And I think the way to think about it to begin with, it was very much on the the kind of the, the, the kind of the opportunistic side of things when we started. So it was really kind of looking at what was out there, kind of really what did we see as good good opportunities to to kind of partner, to identify companies that were kind of doing things that were different, emerging trends. And it was much, it was much kind of more focused on, you know, what 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 should we be doing or what could we be doing? And and I think that was that was very good in the beginning. And and it kind of really it, it sent us in a lot of interesting directions and allowed us to kind of really challenge how we're thinking about things. But it was it was somewhat speculative in nature. And so I think what you find and and, and you kind of see this with a lot of teams who look at this in major corporates is is that you spend a lot of time trying to identify good things, but it's very difficult to actually make them stick because you spend so much time trying to match what's out there with, with kind of really what might be the opportunity internally. So that, that's really where we started. And to be honest, we had a lot of success doing that. And, and you know, we managed to we managed to do a lot of very interesting things. And, and, and Matt, this was back when, you know, I think when I first started, I was having conversations with our clients. And, and most of the conversations would start with me actually having to define what fintech is. So this is kind of going back, you know, you know oh, five yeah. years ago. And, and, our, and our first slide would almost be kind of, what is fintech? So we started off in this kind of opportunistic sense and then and then kind of very very kind of quickly transition to okay well that that's working but it's not it's not quite you know it wasn't quite pushing the needle enough and so we really then trans transition from this this kind of fintech practice to to building out this team called the digital innovation group and really the the, the purpose there was instead of having that that kind of outward in look which was okay what's out there and how do we think about things we move much more to to thinking about okay well, well where do we want to play so what do we see as kind of the future of market infrastructure what do we see as kind of the future of of the you know various different products and services where do we want to introduce competition into markets and instead of instead of taking that outward in approach and kind of really thinking about okay how did we want to shape the future we were then using that kind of extensive network of of fintechs and and other partners to really look at okay well then how can we accelerate our own agenda and i think kind of that was that was kind of a much more empowering setup such that kind of we were you know it was a case of okay how do we grow our bottom line by a billion dollars well these are the things that we can do and ultimately we can buy this company or we can invest in this company or we can partner with this company and that'll get us there much faster so it kind of moved from that kind of opportunistic approach to kind of really thinking about okay how do we like what's our agenda and what do we want to do and, and really kind of how can we use these assets to to kind of our ability to kind of help scale that. And I think I think that was that was good. And I think I think, you know, that that really showed to to the kind of the business actually that that, you know, I guess we had a plan. We wanted to do things and, and it meant that we could actually really benchmark what we were doing to economic terms, as opposed to kind of retrospectively saying, well, this is quite a good idea and we think it might be able to do this. It was, okay, we think we can add 400, 500 million by launching this business and we're going to do it by doing X, Y, Z and this company will accelerate it. So, so I think, I think that was kind of the transition and, and, and that was super successful and, you know, super enjoyable. I think that was, that's kind of the thing. And as you say, kind of JP Morgan is, is, is a beast unto itself. I mean, you know, it has a, a huge balance sheet, you know, there are some incredibly talented people there and, and, you know, and, and I think kind of my own, my own experience there was I was very lucky to to kind of work with you know across markets across banking um, you know across all of the different teams and and with all of the business heads and 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 kind of get that level of exposure but also kind of working with our clients so kind of really you know working with our kind of big institutional clients and and really getting an idea of kind of what they cared about as well so I think you know in terms of 
in terms of getting a, I guess, kind of a fantastic understanding of wholesale finance and, and kind of, you know, how, how kind of the biggest player in, in, in banking could position themselves. I think that was, that was, you know, I was very lucky to that extent. Hey, I, I completely feel you there. On the retail side, I can't even imagine going back like, what, six, seven, eight years ago and like me trying to fill a, you know, a limit order or whatever the case may be, trading, you know, traditional <laughs> stocks before getting into crypto. Imagine like having to call the broker at like one of the, you know, the big five banks in Canada. Oh, <laughs> hey, can you show this for me? <laughs> now it's just like literally go on my phone, pull up the app, four seconds later, boom, it's done. Like, I, mean, I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, even then though, I mean, you look at it, I mean, I don't want to kind of cast aspersions on any companies, but I think you, you kind of, you know, I think, I think even within that you see, you know, a lot of a lot of sectors still holding on to that. I mean, like, you know, I think the private banking sector is a great example of where you know you're seeing some level of innovation, but but even then, you know, there's a lot of companies where you still have to make that phone call, and you know, it's it's a voice only, you know, it's a voice only trading desk, and you know, I think that you know, this that's transitions are happening, they're happening faster, but but it's like like you say, it still surprises me that that does exist. It's it's bananas. I before we get into your move over to. You know the cryptoverse and Bitpanda. I'm so so curious in regards to how again one of the big banks like J.P. Morgan viewed crypto back when it really got on people's <laughs> radar. And I'd say the first time it did was 2017, 2018. Over the first, not the first, but our last sort of you know mega bull and bear market. I'd love if you could just walk me through some of those conversations with the big execs. Um, you know the sentiment, the fear, the greed in the room, and and how you guys sort of attack those. I mean, it's an interesting one, right? And I think there's a lot of I think there's always kind of a lot of jumping to, you know, that the, the kind of the fear and, and some of that. And I think I think kind of certainly being on the inside of that, I'd look at it slightly differently, which is, you know, you you see a lot of these big companies and they have it's a to, it's a total different dynamic because they have so much more to lose from getting this wrong. And what I mean by that is, you know, where where regulation is not as clearly defined and, you know, there are, you know, there are uncertainties in terms of actually the, you know, like where, you know, where like liquidity is being sourced from and like the different actors that are getting involved in it. I think, I think to that extent, a lot of the, uh, it was more, it was more of a risk aversion on that because, you know, when you've got these companies that are making billions and billions and billions of dollars, you know, it's, it's much easier to lose more from a reputational risk point of view or getting something wrong with the regulators than necessarily being successful in these things in the near term. And so what it affords these companies is a little bit of time to take a step back and and wait to see how things evolve. So I think I think like I guess I guess kind of looking at it from that perspective, I can see I can see, you know, why um, you know why a lot of the banks, you know, have been have been kind of somewhat slower to kind of interact with this, and and you know, and and even now, right? You know, they're still are unable, you know, from a, a regulatory perspective to to trade the the kind of the the cash underlying or the spot the, the kind of the crypto underlying, right? So even when you look at kind of what Goldman are doing now and others, it's it's you know and you know it's uh, you know NDFs and and other instruments that that are, that are kind of cash cash settled, so. So I think I think you know there's a little bit of there's a little bit of the regulation aspect and you know we can talk about that and you know in terms of actually how that will bring broader institutional adoption but I think I think that was certainly kind of part of it um, and and you know you know I can't I can't really kind of jump into the mind of you know how Jamie Dimon was thinking about it um, and I know he's kind of been a bit of a, a polarizing figure in a lot of this stuff but, <laughs> but I think I think that is you know I think I think certainly certainly there's there's a there's a different 
risk threshold. And, and you know, the, the other thing I think with, with a lot of these big banks, and it's, it's worth kind of touching on this, but but I think there is a lot of, of, of a view that by having such a strong balance sheet and by having such a strong client base that ultimately, you know, it affords you the ability to take that time. And, and if there is a, you know, a good player that's doing something, well, you just buy them. Um, and, and, you know, you have the client base and, you know, and again, I, I think, I think, you know, certainly even at JP Morgan, right. What I, what I found and like, let's take, let's take digital assets and crypto out off the table for a second. But what I saw with, you know, like more traditional markets where, where, where fintechs were coming in to disrupt. If I think about the dialogue of the kind of the, the six or five, six years building up that fintech team, those conversations start at the beginning as like, we're going to disrupt you, we're going to destroy you. And then within two years, it was how can we partner with you? What I love about the crypto space is it's gone completely the other way around because, you know, it started off you know, on the retail side, retail kind of really pushed adoption here, you know, and, and actually this level of sophistication that they kind of the, the crypto native, you know, starting off non-traditional backgrounds have built in terms of like being able to trade more complex products and really kind of understand how the market works has, has, has been a paradigm shift in terms of like ultimately how, how, you know, how the big institutions and, and, and have had to kind of evolve their position on this. And I think that's fantastic. I think that's actually a really good thing. But, but you know, I think in the, that, that kind of defensive model of we can wait and see and we can buy the big players when we need to and, you know, we have the big client base and we have the balance sheet and that will protect us. I think, I think that's certainly, you know, you know, when you think about the bigger banks, that's, that, that's absolutely kind of in the thought process behind that. It's nice hearing someone's perspective who's been on the inside because like for someone like me or just, you know, any of the average Joes, it'd be very difficult to, to empathize and sort of put our feet in your shoes. Cause it's like, I just look at it and I'm like, okay, JP Morgan has, you know, billions and billions of assets on the balance sheet and they could just put just one or 2 billion into Bitcoin back in the day or now, or any crypto for that matter. And there's so much upside, but it's like, it's hard for us to understand that on the flip side, like you said, if they get involved with a bad actor or the source of funds come, comes from someone shady and, you know, a, a massive lawsuit could be a much bigger detriment than the gain. And again, it's just insightful, but, but difficult to, uh, to sort of grasp. But on the, on the, the people side, on the, on the social capital, the human capital side, one thing that truly amazes me is sort of the exodus of very high talented people moving from traditional finance to crypto, you being one of them. Like, is this is this not insane? And how worried are the banks about this? I, I, I honestly, I, I suspect they are worried. Um, I think, kind of speaking, speaking to a few kind of uh, peers, colleagues, I think you know, I think that there is there is kind of an exodus, and particularly particularly in kind of young younger talent as well. And I think that's always that's always been something that's been seen. So I think you know, with the likes of you know, even even kind of non crypto, like but but the Amazons, the Googles of the world, you know. I think I think what used to differentiate financial services was, you know, to some extent, the the, the remuneration, right, the salary, like a lot of the stuff there. And what we've seen is these other industries that are are able to offer the remuneration, but but kind of much more flexible working, kind of a real different cultural environment, and and you know, and 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 actually, you know, a different, a slightly different, you know, setup in terms of actually. Um, you know, like perhaps kind of like job engagement, job satisfaction, and so to that extent, yeah, you're you're seeing hugely talented people moving and, and looking for that, and and I think I think there's also and, and and that's kind of been going on for a while on the company side, but 
I think that, you know, and it comes back to the whole question of tipping point and kind of are we heading to like, you know, mainstay institutional adoption, all this is. I think I think the fact that you're seeing like more senior people and even kind of more more junior people making that mass exodus is is that the belief is just this is this is the future of of financial markets, like digital assets being what they are, it's just it's it's kind of impossible to look past it now. And so yeah, you're you're seeing this exodus and I think that'll just continue for sure. And on the on the actual finance side, what is the big catalyst for growth? What's the tipping point? I again, I'm a believer that it's regulation. I'm sure you could shed some light on this, but you hear people talking about this all the time. What's going to be that domino that falls, that tips over the rest, and all the the JP Morgans and the Goldmans get in? What do you think that will be? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I'd kind of break it into a few things, right? So I think, I think. You know, you could almost think about it in terms of there's the first of all, let's look at the non-institutional behavior, right? So when we think about mainstream adoption of retail, which which is is you know in of itself a huge catalyst here for institutional engagement, but you know we're looking at countries now with high inflation adopting you know crypto as legal tender. I think El Salvador was kind of a good example, and and I think you'll continue to see like other Latin American countries with high inflation taking that view. You've got, you know, the likes of Visa, MasterCard implementing stable coin payments. You've got PayPal announcing like 29 million customers, you know, can pay with digital assets. You've got new all-time highs in, you know, in coins and, and just like greater retail engagement. And all of that will continue to grow. And, and I think that in of itself becomes a big stimulus for institutions who, who, you know, feel like they have to engage in this. So I think that's kind of one side. And then as you say, there's kind of the institutional levers. So, you know, there's, you know, and, and, Let's start with regulatory, right? I think regulatory is huge, like absolutely huge. And I think there's just been, there's just not been the level of clarity that's been needed for kind of like real wholesale, you know, um, institutional adoption. So I think, for example, like MICA is a great thing. So you're going to actually see some real harmonization across Europe in terms of like how how we think about regulation and to put it into context like Matt, you know, it's like you're in a scenario right now where you have to take a country by country view because everyone's looking at it quite differently. So I think like that, that level of we'll treat the whole of Europe the same and we'll passport everything. I think that's a big thing. You know, you've got things like, I mean, again, like looking at Europe, you've got like the special funds announcement in Germany, which basically said that, okay, for the 2000 special funds, you know, you can now allocate 20% of that in, in crypto. So you're talking like of 2.2 trillion in assets, that's huge amount of allocation potential. You've got, you know, BaFin, who is kind of the German regulator, they're kind of very specifically dealing with crypto in, in terms of all crypto assets, in terms of how they're thinking about things. And and all of this kind of really lends itself as a, like a, a, like that level of clarity means that, you know, these these institutional companies who who would feel like they're operating in a gray area. And I think gray area is never a place that 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 you know these firms are comfortable, or particularly some of the bigger, the bigger, you know, asset managers and others. You know, that 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 clarity is is certainly a gateway to kind of much greater engagement. But then there's other things, right? You know, you have you have the product innovation side of things. So, you know, I think like ETFs, that's a huge stepping stone. Because when you think about it, you've got, you know, pension funds, like retirement plans, like like some brokerages, for example, that just, you know, just would not would not take a spot position or kind of hold the, the kind of the spot underlying. You know, it's an engagement mechanism for them to start getting involved in these things. I think kind of, you know, the other stuff is 
the big names that are actually starting to kind of put put their backing behind it. So, you know, yes, with like Goldman getting involved, JP Morgan getting involved, you've got BlackRock with their global allocation fund. I mean, these are these are kind of the heavy hitters who are saying, look, like it's time for us to move into this. I think, again, that adds comfort to the community, kind of people feel like they can get more engaged in this. And, you know, and even kind of corporates, you know, beginning to accept payments on this stuff. I think like all of this, like, you know, it's, it's I, you know, I think I think like some levers are more important than others. I think regulations arguably the most to your point, Matt. But 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 I think there are so many things that that are contributing to this that we are just, you know, we're we're kind of well past that tipping point now. And and you know the, the kind of the institutional adoption is 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 here. So, firstly, I, I couldn't agree more with uh, with with all of that. But you were saying back in 2017, 2018, there was too much risk for the banks and the big players and the Black Rocks to get in. The risk outweighed the reward. I personally agree that it's the opposite now. I would say that there's too much risk to not get in. I think the reward is higher than the risk. Would you agree with that statement? I, I, think, I think that is true. I think that is true. I think it's, you know, it becomes... You know, it becomes a factor in terms of how you think about these things. And again, it's it's about kind of building building your balance sheet in the right way. But you know, again, a lot of these people though will be looking at it from the point of view of, you know, it it it's ultimately how do you engage with your clients in this ecosystem? So, you know, I think I think, you know, take take the asset managers, you know, it's a case of okay, introducing new products like cash allocation going to this. I think I think the the you know, to the extent, does it cost them more to get into it? I think it, I don't think it necessarily does for a lot of the bigger institutions who are managing other people's funds. Um, is there a potential risk that they might lose some clients in the near term? I think that's the risk that they're probably mitigating for as well. I think that's one consideration. But, but you know, I think, I think you know, for, for the kind of the, the, you know, the hedge funds and, and high frequency traders who are the ones who are kind of chasing alpha opportunities and, and, you know, like really, really kind of looking to kind of trade and, and generate high premiums. Like these guys are all in here now. I mean, they're all, they're all like pretty active and oh, we're yeah. kind of getting more active. Right. Um, yeah. It's the, it's the boomers. It's, it's the older money that we need in. Like I'm getting calls from, you know, my parents' friends and my, 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 <laughs> yeah. my buddy's parents. They're asking me like, Matt, what do you think? You know, oh. what's the easiest way to get in? And in Canada, there's Canada, yeah. I, be, I believe was one of the first public markets to, to, approve ETFs. I could be wrong on that, but I know we have an Ethereum ETF. We have a Metaverse ETF, a bunch of Bitcoin ETFs, which is great, but that's what the boomers are going to do, right? They're not going to go through, like when I explain to them, hey, do you want to actually own your Bitcoin and go through the whole private key shit show? Like they're just like, okay, let's gas this and let's let's go the ETF, you know? For for sure, for sure. And it's, you know, and it's the things as well. I mean, like, look, like do, I had the same conversation with my dad, right? My dad phoned me up and, you know, he was like, should I, should I be doing this? How do I do this kind of conversation? And you know how it goes. And and I think, like, look, am I like, are we are we going to see the boomer generation setting up their, you know, their DeFi wallets and you know, like, really going, <laughs> going, going down there? Maybe, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe that's the maybe that is the future. Um, but to your point, I think kind of like it's taking the complexity out of out of the process and you know, simplifying it and you know, to that to that extent, making it easy for for you know people who are used to having kind of a very simple brokerage account where. You know, I can say, you know, press a big, big button that says I want to buy this, and 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 maybe I want to do it at some premium or discount to to what the price is, and but that that's the level of complexity I want to deal with. You know, you're right. Like people don't want to be writing down kind of secret 
secret keys and, 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 you know, like codes and things like that. So, so I, I, I do agree with that. It's just nightmare fuel for boomers, but uh, <laughs> taking a quick break, need to give a massive shout out to the sponsor of the show, Prime XBT. You know, I love these guys. I've been using them for months as they offer a robust trading system for both beginners and professional traders that demand highly reliable market data and performance. It doesn't matter if you are a rookie or a vet, you can easily design and customize your layouts and widgets to best fit your trading style. Prime XPT is also running an exclusive promotion for listeners of the podcast. After making your first deposit, 50% of that first deposit, that is 50%, will be credited to your account as a bonus that can be used as additional collateral to open positions. This promotion is available for a month after activation and will be the boost you need to get the hang of trading quickly and efficiently. That is promo code CryptoNews50. That is CryptoNews50, all one word to take advantage of this offer. Crypto News 50 to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. And now back to the show with Josh. Josh, let's get into BitPanda. You already yeah. know I love BitPanda. And again, no free ads. I love BitPanda, right? <laughs> I wear the hat almost every day. I uh, Eric blew up the podcast, really helped me get some traction. We'll always be indebted to Eric um, and told some great stories. Love the company. But you must have had... I'm sure you had doubts. I know that this search was going on for a while. We'll get into Bitprint, Bitpanda Pro and how it differs from Bitpanda. But talk to me about the reasons why you joined Bitpanda. Of course, it's a world-class company. I know you are a big crypto fan, but give me some of the nitty gritty and, and walk me through the process and, and how easy or hard of a decision this was for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good one. It's a, it's a good question. I think... Um, I think I think first of all, you know, um, I I care a lot about who I work with. I think that's kind of a really a really kind of big big incentive for me coming to work. Like I you know I like I like people who who are you know, intellectually curious, challenging, like you know have a good vision and 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 you know like can execute on that. I think the you know I think what started off as a an introduction um, to to kind of Paul and Eric. Uh, you know, I think we spent a little bit of time. Found we were philosophically very aligned in terms of how we kind of looked at the world and 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 kind of wanted to to kind of you know grow grow a business and um, and and I think I think for that 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 was kind of a, a really a really kind of starting point for me in terms of okay you know taking that away and then having to think about okay well well what what would I actually want to do kind of coming in here. And so, uh, you know, I think, I think for me, it's always, it's always really been, a, you know, around kind of having the right parameters to, to kind of succeed. And I think you can have the best ideas and the best will and intention in the world, but like ultimately kind of not all, you know, not all, all things are ever equal. And, you know, when I look at, and again, like this is my job at JP Morgan, right? It was to look at, you know, what, like what gives us a competitive advantage? How do we think about this? And, and really kind of how do we, how do we use that to, to kind of make sure we're going to be successful? And I think, you know, when when I looked at what Panda had and when I looked at kind of really what the opportunity was and and, and really how we could build it, uh, that, that became quite exciting for me. And I think I think that was kind of down to a, a number of things, right? I mean, look, you mentioned the first, like they just raised, you know, kind of at the time we're in the process of raising, you know, a, a, a decent sum of money. I think, you know, whilst the company's like obviously grown and, and been very successful, I think this was really kind of like allows them to, to have that stepping stone of, okay, like actually growing really quickly at scale and, and putting capital to work, you know, whether it's 
buying companies, investing in new market growth, expanding the product, like, you know, really, really kind of what, what is needed to take it to that, that next level. You know, that, that was kind of the first thing, like, is, is it kind of set up to do it from that extent? I think kind of how they were really thinking about the USP as well, very much resonated with with me and particularly from what I know about big institutions as well which is you know there is there's a real focus on how do we align ourselves with the regulators like how do we do more so so very much you know I think kind of there's been a real recruitment push in terms of hiring you know very senior folks from ex-regulators such that we can have good conversations with the regulators and kind of really push a lot of those conversations um, and and actually in a, in a positive way and and I think the other bit is like look the technology is good I think like good technology um, and, a, and, and a really good client base. So I think, I think you know, those, those things kind of really all added up to like a winning formula. And when I look at like, you know, exchanges trying to compete and trying to launch, it's very difficult to be successful if you don't have those things. And I really mean that with the client base as well. You know, like what's the incentive for going to an exchange that has, has just been, you know, created and has no liquidity or kind of markets? You know, if you're a big market maker, why are you trading there? And if you're a big, retail trader like why are you coming to it as well because if there's no no kind of market or liquid market there's no reason to trade and so like having that amazing customer base to begin with and you know like being able to build on that with other market participants and build that liquidity pool and you know like even again with like the announcement of of kind of the lydia partnership where we have another five and a half million customers who'll be who'll be trading with us you know that's huge and that's again like great volume and kind of great vision from that perspective so really I guess I really felt that there was, you know, it was strategically set up to succeed. I think that was the first thing and had the right setup from that perspective. And then for me personally, it was just about, okay, I want to be able to execute quickly. Like I want to, you know, be in a, in a, in a position where, you know, we can make a decision in the next week we are, you know, we're doing something and, and really kind of, that was the commitment and, and kind of the setup that, 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 you know, and the conversation I had with Eric and Paul and, you know, it's, it's been exactly like that. I mean, I'm in, I'm in month two and, and, and I just can't, I can't even put into words how much we've been doing because it's, it's, it's just, you know, decision, execution, decision, execution. And it's, it's just a really, it's a really high paced thing and and it's it's i've got to say it's just an, it's incredibly stimulating it's great how much fun is working in crypto like i can never picture going back oh i i i really i it's the thing my wife's always like you, you're so happy I, I was happy before like, i don't want to i don't want to be like i don't want to be like you know okay like this 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 like miserable person times but but it, it's 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 amazing and it's such a different community i think that's how i would how i would describe it so you know if you think if you think about traditional finance, like it's, it's a very, it's like a secret squirrel club, right? Like everyone, everyone's doing their own thing and, and no one, no one kind of wants to, no one wants to give the edge to anyone else. So it's, it's very, it's, it's very like secretive in terms of what's happening and, you know, no one, you know, there's no, there's no real community feel. Whereas like you take crypto and, and, you know, I think, I think what I found was just like, you know, on the announcement of rejoining, but even before that, when, when some people knew I was moving over, you know, it was that whole thing of, you know, very senior people across the industry reaching out, like having conversations and really just, really just kind of like explaining how things worked and, you know, really like how they saw opportunities in the market and things like that. And, and I just, I just couldn't imagine that in the traditional finance world. Like there's, there's a real community of people who who basically want you to succeed. And I think that's because, because the opportunity is so big and the growth potential is so big. I think there is that element of, 
of you know everyone kind of clubbing together and, and and to some extent kind of supporting that community but but it's 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 just nice and then you know i think i think that's that's probably a really a really kind of obvious observation kind of moving into this and and you know yeah like everyone is very happy here it's a it's a it's a it's a strange place but it's great i i've got to say i'm really loving it really loving it first industry i've ever been in where everyone actually like you nailed it on the head everyone actually wants to get rich together and in crypto i'd say rich is almost synonymous with succeeding like maybe some people will disagree with that but again people generally want to all get rich together you know like everyone yeah. everyone in nft world is saying good morning to each other so yeah some people think it's quirky but it's like it, it's just there's a massive sense of community where everyone wants everyone to succeed and it's very rare you know i i was in I was an athlete. I, I played hockey my whole life, played other sports. And it's like in sports, you either win or you lose. It's binary, right? And then in other forms of business I was in, you know, used to be in traditional yeah. finance. It's almost like you either win or you lose. You can't really share that pie. Where in crypto, it's like everyone wants a big, juicy, tasty chunk of that pie. And, and I absolutely, absolutely love it. No, no, absolutely. But it's, it's, it's absolutely that. And I think it's just that feeling of as well, like, okay, like actually you being good at this makes me better at this as well. And there's a little bit of there's a little bit of that. So I think there's the there's the improvement that there's in, the improvement that's happening to the whole ecosystem from that level of participation, which is is just it's great. It's just really nice. On the on the growth side, you talked about growing organically versus acquisitions. Now this is again something that intrigues me quite a lot. I've always wondered how you decide to you know put again. You guys raised what. 350 mil was it 263 million series yeah, C. Yeah, how do you, yeah, yeah. how do you how do you decide when and where to you know put that money internally hire a bunch of incredible people and grow the team or go out and acquire a you know a, a quick company growing very quickly that has a lot of potential like what does that decision look like i know this is a very tough question but if you can give me any concrete examples that'd be absolutely lovely yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, look, we spend a lot of time doing this, this, this kind of pre-bit panda. I think, I, and and to be honest, we spend, we spend a good chunk of bit panda as well now. I, I think, I think it really comes down to there's there's always a trade-off, right? Which is like, how quickly do you want to get to market? I think that's kind of one thing. How quickly do you think the market's going to be, you know, captured by other people? So, like, is there, you know, is there a real advantage in being an, you know, an early adopter, early mover into this, like? I think there's also the bit of like, what are you acquiring? Like, are you acquiring talented people? Because you could be buying a company because actually they have really good people as well that can help build something. If there's a scarcity, it could be like, are you acquiring a client base? It's kind of a differentiated client base. And you think there's lots of synergies in terms of the other things that you can sell to them. So if you have like lots of additional products, you know, I think it's, it's, it's things as well in terms of, okay, like actually, is there a scarcity of products out there as well, or kind of certain services or, or kind of assets. And so actually kind of like building, building kind of a, I guess, kind of a pseudo monopoly on certain things and kind of a near term, I think it's like market, market entry. Like, you know, you may, you may need to, or you may want to get into a particular country and it might be difficult. So, you know, it could be for the purpose of buying a license. It could be for the purpose of, of, you know, kind of basically, you know, buying a brand that has like a good, like a or kind of a, a a good brand presence in a particular country, and 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 you know and versus the flip side of okay, well actually, how long does it take me to to hire very very talented, 
you know, whether it's like engineers or, or, or you know, all kind of whatever, really, and, and, and being in a position where I can then build something out that's kind of more bespoke, more fit for purpose in terms of like you have a very specific vision on how you want to do something and, and maybe kind of the right assets not out there. So it, it, it's always a, it's always a bit of a trade off. Right. And, and, you know, even even on the acquisition side of things, you know, it's how do you integrate these things? It's not just the case that you buy something and it's it's ready to go for the most part. You know, I think a lot of these things, a lot of these things like that, there's kind of like nuances and like finding the right balance is tough. Um, so, so I think, I think it's, you know, I think it's knowing it's going in with a very clear agenda of knowing what you want to build and, and, and what you might want to buy. And, and I guess it's that kind of purpose of, of why, why are you buying it? And, 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 and really kind of that, that cost benefit from a, from a time and, and I guess kind of execution perspective. Right. I, I feel you there. I, I want to move over to sports. I'm a big sports guy. I'm very <laughs> curious why, and, and and maybe I'm wrong here. I tried to do some research, couldn't find any, but I, I'm seeing a lot of the big exchanges, the FTXs, the the crypto.coms, really going full throttle into the sports partnerships because again, sports fans are die hard. Like when when you ask someone who do you associate with, like if you ask me, I'd say like I'm a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan. We haven't won, you know, that's the <laughs> biggest, most yeah. valuable hockey team in the world. We haven't won a championship in 50 years, but like you know, I'd, I'd get in, I'd get into a street fight for the boys. Like that's not actually, but you know what I mean? When, when yeah. is, when is Bitpanda going to get into some of those sexy sports sponsorships? I mean, I mean, I, I, first of all, I, I don't want to jump the gun on, on anything. So I think, I think if, you know, if, if, and when we do, you know, I think, I think, you know, it's, it's well, it's well thought out. And I would say like, you know, firstly, we, we, we hired Arena, um, who has been like a phenomenal, um, phenomenal head of marketing. So she has a, a, a very good plan and and I'm looking forward to kind of seeing that executed so I think I would say stay tuned um but 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 on the why look I mean like these 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 franchises these sporting franchises I mean they are they are the kings of of you know like of of you know long-term sponsorship deals I mean they take man United I think they've got like you know I think they've got a noodle partner <laughs> and uh, and and I said it. I said it as a Manchester United fan. So don't hold that against me. But uh, but uh, you know, I think like the the sheer number of sponsorships that a lot of these had. I mean, they're, they're commercial juggernauts, right? They're they're very good at kind of doing a lot of this stuff. And 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 yeah, you're right. There's there's a huge amount of fan affinity for 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 these institutions. And I think I think to the extent that you know, again, like digital assets can bridge some of that and play a role. I think that's super super interesting. Um, so uh, so yeah yeah. Stay tuned. I was hoping for a breaking story on the Crypto News Pod. But, Sorry, uh, there's I'll, nothing. No there's I'll, nothing I can I hey, can give. I'll try again <laughs> next time. But you, you're a Man U fan. My my apologies, Josh. Like that's what's happening. You got Ronaldo. Uh, he was going to bring you to the promised land, and now right. you guys are mid table. My goodness, my goodness. Where where to start? I mean, you know, like, yeah. It's I, I think expectation versus reality. But but you know, like like all all things, I'm I'm sure it will it will come good in the end. What's what's the secret sauce? What needs to happen for the boys to start performing? <laughs> oh my goodness! I, I, we, we've now gone from podcast to we're, we're we're now it's basically five live sports extra. Okay, so I'll give you I'll give you my analysis on this. Um, you know, I think I think we need a good <laughs> a good a good midfielder is uh, is kind of what is missing connecting connecting the front and the back so you can actually have a, a bit of 
a bit of a a bit of a plan there that would be good and uh, and and yeah maybe maybe a manager who can who can manage some of these stronger personalities I think that's that's always a challenge isn't it when you have you know arguably one of the greatest players of all time playing for you it's, uh, it's how do you how do you kind of tell them that they're not playing well or, or kind of put them in the in the right position so I think that's always uh, that's always a tough one but uh, look you know I think the the talent is there it's just a case of uh, it's just a case of finding the right the right people to execute with that I uh, one of my dreams is to go to a Manchester Derby that is on the bucket list have you ever been uh, I I have I have it didn't it didn't end well um, so, so I tell you what. Next time you're in, uh, you're in the UK, I will. Uh, I'll have to kind of sort out some tickets there. I'll we'll have to try and time it for a, a Manchester derby, but it's uh, it's good fun. And hopefully, when Manchester United are playing a bit better, that way, uh, that way it won't be uh, it won't be so embarrassing. <laughs> I love that. When I was in the UK, probably I don't know three four years ago, when I was a currency broker, the firm I worked with, world class firm, they sent uh, myself and one other mate over for training. And I was astonished. In Canada, in banking, you might go out for you know a pop or two, a pint or yeah. two, maybe once or twice after the week. Every single day, as soon as you know five thirty six p.m., <laughs> three quarters of the office was down at the pub for a pint. That is bananas. Is it still like that post COVID? I mean, I, I mean, I've got to say, I think, I think that's, I think culturally, that's kind of really uh, taken a taken a bit of a, a step back. I think, I think, you know, certainly, kind of the old the old kind of bond trading days. I mean, that, not myself, but but I certainly know that like the whole Leadenhall area was, you know, that was that was absolutely absolutely kind of the tradition, um, and. And I think, you know, like, yeah, as you say, it's, 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 it has, it's certainly changed. I think there's obviously not quite the same, not quite the same frequency. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think, you know, there is a, there is a little bit of a, there is a little bit of a shift as obviously people are kind of working a bit more remotely and, and, and I guess kind of spending less time in the office and, and seeing one another. Although having said that, I would say kind of, we're in that, we're in that kind of Christmas build-up now, and I am seeing a lot of invites coming my way. From <laughs> certainly, I, I actually think the crypto institution is, is very active in terms of in terms of kind of building that community and, and running events and doing things. So, um, but 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 you know, definitely definitely noticeable difference kind of post COVID for sure. A couple of rapid fire questions, and then we'll wrap up here, Josh. And thanks for your time. This has been an absolute treat. Um, no, thank Bit, you. Bitpanda head office is in Vienna, right? Yes. Uh, best part about Vienna. I've been there. I was there four years ago. Absolutely loved it. What's your favorite part? Oh, I mean the food. I love, I love the food. Um, so yeah, just, just like sign me up for all of that. I think like, you know, any, <laughs> any, you know, like, you know, whether it's, whether it's, you know, some of there's, there's these kind of amazing places where you can get, you know, this, these kind of whole, whole kind of like very, very well cooked pigs. I was, I was out there last month and it was, uh, it was this thing called goose month which I've, I've never heard of before, but it's this whole idea that basically somewhere between October and November, they have a month where all the traditional Viennese restaurants serve, serve goose. Um, <laughs> so you'll just get kind of like your quarter of goose, um, which is great. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, you know, just, just, just great food, actually. I love it. Tough question here. What is something that you believe in that most people don't? <laughs> Oh my goodness! A, a hot I... take. We we have a segment on the show called the Hot Take Factory. We just jumped right in, boots up, you know, shit on your <laughs> knees. Give me something good here. Oh my goodness! What do I what what do I believe in that no one else does? Um, 
Oh, goodness. I guess I guess that Man United will eventually become a good team again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is uh, that is absolutely great. And I guess one last thing that we didn't cover: um, the difference between Bitpanda and Bitpanda Pro. Um, I'm, you could give a much yep. better explanation than me. So the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I would think of Bitpanda as really kind of the retail one-stop shop. So, you know, if you want to trade equities, you want to trade like metals, crypto, you want your debit card, you know, it's really kind of a very seamless digital ecosystem for that for that kind of like pure retail. I want access and, and, and these things all in one place, right? And then I would think of Pro as really really kind of like much more for kind of the sophisticated retail and, and more kind of like the institutions that kind of think like hedge funds, high frequency traders, asset managers, corporates, you know, banks, um, other exchanges, private banks, like all of this stuff. And, and really kind of what we're doing is we're, you know, we're building a pool of liquidity, you know, we have lots of volume we're, you know, we, we actually, you know, we're, we're, where are kind of a lot of the brokers or kind of the, that, you know, the bit panders will come to hedge and kind of trade their positions you know, we, you know, we're connected to kind of, you know, uh, lots and lots of market participants. We're doing much larger, larger transaction sizes. Typically, you know, we're providing access to to kind of more sophisticated product suites. So kind of like moving into things like derivatives. You know, we'll be kind of looking to do things like IEOs, um, and and really kind of like you might be looking to a bit to do a bit more kind of advanced analytics on on kind of some of these trading. So actually looking at kind of like order book depth, like. You know, volumes, other things. So I think I think kind of think of it as kind of more of the the more kind of sophisticated um, setup for trading. So if you're a rookie or just you know uh, a casual trader, use Bitpanda, and if you're a chiseled vet, you go to Bitpanda Pro. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment. You got it, <laughs> Josh. Absolutely, uh, just a blast chatting with you. I, I wish you were in a pub in London, uh, having a couple cold ones. Last question before I let you go: Any questions for me? Any questions for you? Oh my goodness! How does this compare to your your podcast with Eric? <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Honestly, you you guys both knocked it out of the park. Um, both incredible speakers and very very knowledgeable on on your desired um, you know and individual subjects. But I I'm gonna have to give the leg up to Eric on the sense oh, that he my goodness. he kicked is- off the pod for me. The pod's buzzing right now. I'm very grateful. I think you will be episode. I want to say 77 or 78. Um, and Eric was, I think, number six or seven for me. And uh, okay. he was okay. the first sort of, he was the first one that that really, really kicked it off and also uh, helped with the, with get me, you know, uh, a demographic in Austria. So, I mean, okay, um, okay, fine. I, 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 I got, I got to give it to him. Got to give I'll it to him. I'll let him, i let him have that one. I guess like if we can send you some more stuff, then maybe like you can edit that out and change your view. I don't know, Sarah, maybe that's something we can do. But yeah. <laughs> 100%. But Josh, really appreciate uh, having you on, I guess, last question and actually last question. Okay, what, okay, okay. Where can our guests find you, Bitpanda and Bitpanda Pro online and on socials? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so myself, like, I obviously LinkedIn. Um, so, for Bitpanda, you want to go? I mean, I'm just there's if you if you basically if you type in and this is this is me kind of giving a very poor ex- <laughs> explanation of this, but um, if you if you type in Bitpanda Pro, um, we kind of have a subset of on the Bitpanda 
login page. And if you type in exchange.bitpanda, um, that also takes you to Bitpanda Pro. Um, I think obviously like searching for Bitpanda on um, on obviously the App Store, Android Store as well, you can get there via that route. And uh, and we actually have a, a Twitter page as well. So, uh, so do also kind of look for Bitpanda Pro on the Twitter side. And, uh, and myself, and I also kind of post a lot on, uh, on kind of what we're doing from a Bitpanda perspective. Lovely. And yeah, folks, for those of you at home listening, Bitpanda on Twitter has the green logo, whereas, or the green background rather, whereas Bitpanda Pro has the black logo. I still have the black logo stuff that would, I believe that would classify that as vintage. So I'm rocking some vintage Bitpanda stuff. Josh, <laughs> absolutely world-class episode. Really appreciate you coming on. And uh, hopefully next time I have you on, it'll be, we'll go, we'll go live from the Derby or live from a pub in London. Perfect. Looking forward to it, Matt. And, and thank you very much for having me on. A great conversation. Thanks again, Josh. Folks, this was the Crypto News Podcast with Josh from Bitpanda Pro. What a great episode. Great speaker. Learned a ton. As always, we're dropping epis on Mondays and Thursdays. If you did like this episode, and I really hope you did, please do subscribe. It would mean the world to myself and the team. Speaking of the team, love you guys. Appreciate you. Cannot do this without you. To the, to the listeners, love you guys as well. Keep growing those bags. Stay healthy, stay wealthy, stay happy, and uh, keep having fun out there. Love you all and talk soon. Bye for now.